Welcome to the Men and Hoodies podcast, where we take you on an excursion through everything in the sports world. Trending news, hot conversations, heated debates, and unlike shows such as First Take and Undisputed, things that you, the listeners, actually want to hear. Let's now go to your hosts, Brent Lyons, Roman Cleary, and Jake Stoop. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. It's Steph Curry 30, episode 30. We are back. It is the Men and Hoodies podcast. Before we get into it, if you do not follow the Instagram, what are you even doing? Go and follow that men.n.hoodies. And I think this is a day we should celebrate, right? Because we are four days away from Roman's half birthday. Let's give it up, Roman. Wow. Four Roman's days half away. birthday. How Wait. do you feel? Why do you know that? My, That's so my weird. My half birthday? Like, I'm halfway to 19. Is that what you're June talking about? June 21st. Is that I correct? I know that. June that is 21st? so creepy. <laughs> I, I, I had no just, idea. That, I wasn't that surprised. Was thing. I, okay, it's I don't know what it was. creepy. But when I got home, I was like, wait a second. I feel like Roman hasn't had a birthday in a while. So I looked it up on your Instagram. It's June 21st. So I was like, let's just celebrate his half birthday. But you, you didn't know my birthday already? Not, Ouch. not off the top of my head, no. Ouch. <laughs> he knows mine that, off the top of his head if that offends you even more. What, what, a, what a friend you are. <laughs> I kn- you just said it was weird that i knew it <laughs> no 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 I, I think it's weird that you like took the time to learn my half wow. birthday is a half birthday even a thing yes apparently i've never heard of that in my life that's crazy what a friend you are surprise roman it is uh it's your half birthday congratulations is there anything it's, that you want but to say you said no it's not even his half birthday it's close. It's four days away. We might I mean, post that day. I mean, I suppose I've had a good uh, half year so far. Speech. I, I, I don't. I don't Speech. know. I I got I got Dean's list in my first semester at Memphis, so that, that helps, I suppose. Um, this, the podcast is, continues to rise in popularity we released merchandise music playing in the background it was a happy birthday song for roman it was glitching out (laughs) this is terrible roman congratulations it's your half birthday but let's move on it's not even his half birthday (laughs) it's so close whatever information you get the point We we might post on the 21st who knows we'll see we'll see all right let's get into it today we're going to start out with more of a longer fun segment all right i had this idea a couple hours ago And what we're going to do today is we're going to do a starting five of meme players in a draft format. So once a player is taken, they are done for. You cannot pick them again. Rules are they do not have to be strictly NBA, but it is an NBA format. So if you do not pick a player in the NBA, associate their characteristics and talents with NBA skills. All right. So we'll go Roman, Brent, me, me, Brent, Roman, Roman, Brent, me in that order. Wow. All right. So Rome, this is how we usually do it. So Roman, start us out. Who is the number one pick? in the meme draft all right uh with the first pick in the meme draft and we get my starting point guard which is none other than Kyrie Irving <laughs> far and away the the biggest meme in the NBA in my opinion and I, I think it's only suitable that he becomes the first pick so I don't, I don't think there's much explanation to uh his meme worthiness if we if we can call it that so yeah my first pick is Kyrie Brent pick two um, I'm going to take uh, – this goes against everything I believe. I'm going to take LeBron James with my meme pick. <laughs> I don't know if it 
I don't know if it needs to be explained, but if you haven't seen the LeBron James memes where he's predicting the future because of that one, the many times he's lied about things on live TV, uh, it's hilarious. And that's one of my favorite memes. So mm, I respect it. So now y'all both went to superstars. I'm going to go ahead and get some size. All right. None of y'all are scoring on me. I don't care how good you are. Let me pick up the seven, six taco fall. Man's been a meme since he was in college at UCF, got drafted, or got, got drafted, got picked up by the Celtics. He, I remember one of the first times he came on the court, he got on the court because the fans chanted his name so much to where Brad Stevens finally gave in. So you got to give it to him. Why not? Um, how, what are y'all's thoughts on, on Taco Fall at three? I mean, uh, cool. again, this is a <laughs> – there's no real criteria for this draft, so I, I don't really think I can have a real opinion on anything. There you go. All right, so to follow up Taco Fall, I'm going to get some shooting real quick. Give me AK-47 Andre Kirilenko. Man was a sniper for the Jazz. Easily the best nickname in NBA history. His name's Andre Kirilenko. He wore number 47, so you got to call him AK-47. Averaged 12, 5, and 3 over his career. But, man, if you ever watch him, he was a sniper from behind the arc. All right, um, with with my second pick, (laughs) Arguably a better nickname. I'm gonna take Swaggy P. <laughs> I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Nick Young with my second pick. Uh, I mean, he's just got memes all around. So yeah. Um. Well, uh, I I heard some. I, I saw a few things going around on you know social media over the past year uh, that Devin Booker's dingling is is super big apparently. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and I think that is meme worthy. <laughs> So I'm picking Devin Booker with my next pick. Oh my god, that's not a meme. Yes, are you kidding me? I think <laughs> that's terrible. No, it's that's what's so your? Sorry. I don't care. What's your three? No, the word that he said to describe. <laughs> hey, it could have been worse. It could have yeah, been worse. That needs to be. That needs to be in the description of the video, like the, the title. <laughs> You know, you know how when you make the good titles, we get the most views. You need to put like Devin Booker's dingling. No, that's, do not do that. <laughs> do not. Roman, what seven? And I'm gonna follow uh, it up uh, with my center, my man in the middle, and that is Dwight Howard. Um, there you the, go. The less good version of Dennis Rodman. He was a phenomenal player early on in his career. Um, his playing ability has gone down, but his memeness has gone up. So, <laughs> perfect pick. Brent, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know who this is, but I'm gonna go to legendary status for this one. Um, the meme that some would say lasts a lifetime—a uh, meme of one person crying—and then he redid it um, at an event, and just another meme of him crying. I'm gonna take Michael Jordan with my meme pick. What? Oh my goodness! I'm going strictly based off memes. If you like, I'm not talking about memes for them getting made fun of. I'm taking meme players that are actually in memes. Like Uh, you're, you're taking meme players for like if they get like, uh, like Alex Caruso. That's what a meme play is. No, I'm taking memes if they're in a meme. Whatever. All right, go MJ for uh, for number nine. I think I'm going to go with arguably the biggest meme player of all time. You got to give me the man, the myth, the legend the one who dribbled it out to half court at the end of NBA Finals Game 1. Give me J.R. Smith. 
the most iconic picture almost in NBA Finals history other than Michael Jordan's step back, obviously, or crossover. It's got to be J.R. Smith and LeBron pointing at the goal, almost crying, wondering, what are you doing? So you got to give me J.R. Smith. So my squad right now is going to be Taco, AK-47, and J.R. Smith. And this next pick for me at 10 is going to be more of a recent meme pick. All right, this person was recently taken into custody and brought out. Mine's going to be Brittany Griner to be down low with Taco <laughs> Fall. Cut out. Give cut me, out saying that. Give, that was me, awesome. <laughs> give me the Russian convict to, uh, to bring up the rear at the four. And then, yeah, I've got one more pick after that, but add Brittany Griner to the squad. Oh, my gosh. Is it my turn just, now? Yeah. Uh, it's no, Brent. it's mine. Okay. And just yeah. for that. That's what I thought. Just for that. I'm picking DeMarcus Cousins. I don't know if you've seen that video, but Brittany Griner said he could beat, De- she could beat DeMarcus Cousins in a one-on-one. So I'm going to take DeMarcus Cousins just because you said that. <laughs> I respect it, Roman. All right. So I, these are my final two picks. So this will complete my starting five lineup. Um, I'm going to go with Lance Stevenson for as ah, that's so good wing player. Uh, just obviously he's, been a meme for a long time and i'm surprised that no one else picked him up and he can be really streaky at times provide some shooting so yeah i'll go with lance stevenson there and my final pick is going to be one of the greatest memphis tigers in recent memory deandre williams there are two (laughs) memes with him uh number one is obviously the fact that he is uh the oldest player in college basketball they bring it up every broadcast 26 years old he's practically an nba player at this point so I, I think I think he's I think it's OK to include him here. And also the fact that he just cannot stop uh, fouling and getting technical fouls, get yep. foul trouble fouls out every game. I think those are two memes in itself. So my lineup will be um, Kyrie Irving for his weirdness, Devin Booker <laughs> and his extremely long dingling uh, Lance <laughs> Stevenson and just being Lance Stevenson, DeAndre Williams being old and being in foul trouble <laughs> and Dwight Howard for oh just goodness. being insanely weird. Brent. It, since there's no, I thought we were doing memes based on the fact that they were actual memes um, and that were popular, but I guess not. So I'll take Russell Westbrook. There you go. That's a good one. I think my team's better anyway, because I have MJ and LeBron because I was actually playing by the rules of a meme, which is the picture of a I respect it. I respect it. So for me to uh, to round out the squad, I've got some size. I'm not really in need of that, but you know what? I don't really care. This is this is more of a fun draft. I was I was kind of deciding between Grace and Allen, Greg Odin and Megan Rapino, but I'm gonna kind of move away from those three, and I'm gonna give me some more size. No one is gonna score on me from inside the paint. Give me the Birdman, Chris Anderson. He played for the Heat when they had Bosch and Wade and James. He has tattoos all over his body. He's a big fine arts guy, so you got to give me that. Um, no one's scoring on me, plain and simple. And then I'm going to come down, and AK-47 is going to have 100 on you from the three-point line. So, Roman, start off. Quickly give me your starting five, which we will use this and post a, uh, a poll on Instagram, and then you can vote on the best team. So let's just round it out by oh, giving our starting fives real quick. Roman, you start us out. I just broke it down, but I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. So, yeah, mine is Kyrie Irving, Devin Booker, Lance Stevenson, DeAndre Williams, and um, Dwight Howard. 
Brent? Um, I'll try to remember mine. Russell Westbrook, Michael Jordan, Nick Young, DeMarcus Cousins, and LeBron James. And mine is going to be J.R. Smith, Andre Kirilenko, Taco Fall, Brittany Griner, and Chris Anderson. We will post that poll and let us know what team do you think would win or just what team you like the most. And now we're going to get into the sports talk of the day. At least for me, bowl season has been so exciting. We've got 43 bowl games, including the national championship game in January. They've been super exciting for me. But, Roman, we'll start with you. I don't know if you've watched many games thus far, but what has been the most exciting game that you know of, maybe you've caught a glimpse of so far? Man, I'm looking at all these games. Uh, One, I I haven't watched a single one. Um, I think that's pretty (laughs) obvious. Like, look at these riveting matchups. We have UAB, Miami, Ohio. UAB wins it by four. Like, phenomenal. We have Troy <laughs> topping it over the um, preseason American Athletic Conference favorite, UTSA. Uh, we have Louisville beating Cincinnati. I guess Louisville uh, proved that Cincinnati is really bad um, without Luke Fickle. So, yeah. I mean, and, uh, the rest of these games are just <laughs> – Irrelevant. We have BYU beating SMU by one. Apparently, SMU had an opportunity to kick the extra point. They didn't. So, BYU wins that as a result. Um, currently going on right now, Boise State is topping North Texas, a real barn burner, and the Miami beat 21-17. Like, ball season is just super difficult to get into for me because, like, most of the games have no real relevance whatsoever. They barely mean anything. I mean, I'm sure many can enjoy the riveting matchups between Eastern Michigan and San Jose State on Tuesday, Liberty (laughs) versus Toledo. We got Baylor taking on Air Force. We got the super talented Big 12 bus against the triple option. What more did you ask for? (laughs) We got Middle Tennessee, San Diego State. Like, these games are riveting. This is what college football is all about. I mean, I probably won't watch any of them outside of the Memphis game and the playoff games, but... For all you bowl lovers out there, have yourself a ball because you're going to have a lot of fun. (laughs) Brent, what about you? I'm just going to say I love that Roman isn't in a hotel room anymore because his (laughs) voice was limited last week, and he's he's came back firing this week. So um, I guess uh, I will watch bowl games more when it gets down to some that are a little more interesting to me, like – I kept up. I've looked at scores for all of them. Um, like Oregon State, obviously, I wanted them to win, so that was a good that was a good game for me. Nice to see a team that I've been backing up all season finish out strong. So that was nice. And then a game like Southern Miss, where it's probably not that too good of a game, but when you have somebody like Frank Gore Jr. rush for the new FBS record and with 329 rushing yards and two touchdowns, I mean, on 21 attempts, that's pretty impressive. So just stuff like that. Not too. I don't have a favorite game per se, as long as the teams that I picked win. And other than that, you know, can't wait for some some real games to come up soon, like the Rose Bowl. That's valid. That's valid. Um, for me, against the other guys, I know Roman's just like, who cares? Brent's kind of more in the middle, but leaning towards Roman's side. If anything, I want to say that I am maybe like the biggest bowl fan you can find, and I'm willing to take hate for it. But I love watching some bowl games. And even if they're not the most exciting matchups on paper, if you watch it, both teams are designed to be equal in skill set, which makes them so much better, especially if you've been preparing 
for what will be in late December, two or three weeks to play this team. I mean, every team's just sitting on all cylinders. It's so much fun to watch. Um, but for me, the best matchup I've seen was a low-scoring affair um, between Troy and UTSA. And you look at it, but the second the second matchup of bowl season was two top 25 opponents, both who won their respective conferences in the Sun Belt and the Conference USA. UTSA came in. Frank Harris, one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he was sixth in the country in all-purpose yards as a quarterback. But Troy, I mean, their defense was tenacious all around. They came. Carlton Marshall's the leader in uh, tackles in FBS history. So that's an exciting matchup for you. Um, but UTSA and Troy both came in. Um, top four, both teams were top four in win streaks. So two of the hottest teams in the country came together. And defense ultimately wins championships. UTSA got out hot, but Troy came back and took the win. I was super pumped about that one. What made it exciting is that UTSA, they ran the ball 50 yards to get to the five-yard lane at the end of the game with like five minutes left. And Troy held together four times in a row to keep the Roadrunners from scoring. It was an exciting finish. Other games have been obviously UAB scoring and then um, Miami, Ohio being two yards short of winning that game. And then obviously Deion Sanders' last game did not go as planned, but they forced overtime on a back shoulder throw from Sanders into Travis Hunter, former five-star, which was a catch. I mean, all of these games, even if it's Jackson State and NC Central, I mean, these games are so evenly matched and so much fun to watch. So I'm honestly a big bowl fan, and they've been super exciting for me. So, Oh, my gosh, y'all. Groundbreaking development. North Texas takes the lead on Boise State. (laughs) 24-21. 5-14 to go in the third quarter. The Miami Beach Bowl. Tune in right now. (laughs) Turn off your Minnetonis podcast and rip yourselves over to see who won the game. Yes. All right, let, let's take a turn for the better, I guess. Let's let's take a turn to more interesting parts of this conversation. Bryce Young and Will Anderson have recently, as of yesterday, opted in to play the Sugar Bowl rather than entering the NFL draft. Both are projected to be top five picks. Roman, for you, what do you think about this decision? A lot of people are torn between should I show spirit to my school or should I go and prevent injury? What would you do there if you were in that situation? Well, I know what I would have done. I'm not playing for a national championship, so I'm I'm gone. I'm outie. Like Bryce Young and Will Anderson are probably both going to be top five picks in the NFL draft, and to put that in jeopardy uh, for a game that is essentially meaningless, it's not something that I can empathize with, but it's something that I can see them empathizing with because again, they love Alabama, love the school, they love the culture, and obviously Nick Saban has um, done something to convince them to finish out this last game at Bama. Maybe it's just something that those two feel obligated to do. But, I mean, it's certainly not the smartest thing in the world, but I can see why they're doing it. I'm not going to really knock them for it. Right. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's good. Like, you think about all the, like, sure, they'd probably be just as successful somewhere else, but they didn't go somewhere else. They went to Alabama. And Alabama spent time investing in them and making them the players they are now, and they gave them the opportunity to play at the highest level, which is something that they, I feel like more players should respect. Like these, like sure, it's a bowl game, and you're not playing for a national championship, but everybody else is still going out there and doing it. 
even like the coaches are probably aren't like necessarily thrilled that they have to play in a bowl game that's not competing for the national championship, but they still go out and do it. They don't get the option to say, oh, I'm just not going to coach it because it's not for the national championship. And I feel like it's, it's a sign of respect, even if you're planning on leaving, to at least go and show that support for your school. And I'm not knocking anybody who doesn't do it, unless you're like injured, like uh, someone for Penn State, Parker Washington, uh, one of the better wide receivers in the country. He broke his leg, and he had the option to still – stay for the bowl game technically or declare for the draft he decided to declare for the draft but that's because of injury like he he should do that and when you're talking about I think yeah there's a risk of injury but at the same time I feel like the bowl games that aren't as like high like intensity aren't going to be as like Alabama and Kansas State I doubt get heated like that's not a that's when you think of like rivalry matchups you're not going to think about Alabama and Kansas State so I'm not really worried there. Like, of course, injury is always a is always a there's always a chance of that. But I don't see it getting to, like if something looks like it could go go wrong, there is opportunity to fix. And I think that waiting, like, sure you're missing out on what three weeks of preparing for the draft combine, but showing that showing the respect to your school and showing the appreciation that you have for your school before you leave, I feel like is something good that most players should do. Mm. And when you look at it from that perspective, I don't, I don't disagree with you at all. I think that in a world of NIL and all the powers and the players, I love that these guys who are both top five projected picks, Will Anderson and Bryce Young, arguably the two best players in college football last year, are agreeing to stay for this bowl game that's not in the playoff. I love it. I think it, it's a, it sets a standard for Alabama players moving forward. Maybe you have a chance to go get drafted. And, you know, also maybe this is a chance to even improve your stock if that's what they think. But I disagree with that statement. I really do. When you look at it from, you know, the perspective that's Brent talking about, absolutely. But from a realistic standpoint, in my opinion, there is nothing that they can do that will improve their draft stock. And when coaches in the NFL look at a player like th this is the what I don't like when people bring up in this argument. Well, if if every game they can get hurt, why wouldn't they not play in the regular season? Because when bowl games come, coaches kind of throw out of the picture, man, if you don't play in a bowl game, you're quitting on your team. That's not what they think. But if you were to quit midseason, they kind of see that as a character flaw, that you just want to go get your money no matter what. You're going to go to the NFL. You're going to get drafted. Why do? Why not skip the last eight games of the season in order to do that, right? That shows a character issue. But when it comes to the postseason, when it comes to um, getting your name in the draft process earlier rather than later, hiring an agent, all that stuff, I think that this is the perfect time to do it. And for Bryce Young and for Will Anderson, if they get hurt, I think that they are going to regret their decision a lot more. But if they don't get hurt, then it's obviously a win-win because you get to play for your team. You get to set a set a I don't know, brand for your culture, for Alabama's cultures moving forward. But the risk is a lot higher than the reward, if you ask me. I think that for them, the realistic and smart thing for them to do would be to sit out because they can't. They can't improve their draft stock whatsoever. Them playing really just – it impacts that more than anything. If I'm Nick Saban, I'm personally debating on whether I should allow them to play in this game because mm -hmm. as a college coach, yeah, sure, you have a responsibility, you know, to give your team the best chance to win. But more so than anything, you have a responsibility to make sure that every decision that you make is in the best interest of your student-athletes, whether that's academically, athletically, personally, and – out if I'm in Nick Saban's position, if I'm the head coach of Alabama, 
I am having a sit down with guys like Bryce Young, guys like Will Anderson and saying, hey, um, I appreciate you for wanting to come back, you know, for one more game to help us win the Sugar Bowl. But at the end of the day, your NFL futures are a lot more important than this game ever will be. Yeah. Um, And I think we should have a serious consideration as to whether uh, you guys are actually need to be out there on the field for that. Especially for Alabama's case. I mean, if you're not in the playoff, that's what your that's what your goal is every year. I mean, especially in that situation, I would just go on ahead and, and commit to the NFL draft process. Yeah, that, that that's me too. Brent, you got any more thoughts? No, I think I've made my, my case pretty well. All right. So round out the bowl conversations. What is a game future down the line? Maybe it's the playoff, maybe it's not, that you are looking forward to and why, Roman. I mean, the only games that I'm really looking forward to are uh, Memphis and Utah State because I want to see uh, how Ryan Silverfield's squad is able to close out after, a, again, a very disappointing campaign where the coach probably should not have been able to um, retain his position, but it is what it is. You got Hennigan and Prescorn coming back next season, so maybe this game against Utah State can give us a little bit of a preview of what we can maybe see next year, uh, but I doubt it. Um, and also, you just got to look no further than the college football football playoff games. Very interesting four-team bracket that we have here. I mean, Ohio State and Georgia, in my opinion, are the two best teams in the country on paper. And we get that matchup in the semifinal, which is very interesting, in my opinion. And then the other game is a matchup, really a game of two underdogs here, Michigan and TCU. Michigan, obviously, going to be the heavy favorite. But we'll see how TCU responds coming off of the big Big 12 championship game loss uh, against Kansas State. And uh, we'll see, uh, you know, how they are able to rebound from that L and getting into the playoff anyway. Alabama and Kansas State becomes very interesting because you have to watch out for potential injuries to both Bryce Young and Will Anderson. We'll see how Tennessee fares in the Orange Bowl against Clemson without Hendon Hooker, whose NFL future may be certainly derailed at this point with his own injury. So, yeah, again, I find bowl season to be very vanilla, very boring for the most part. Most of these games will not mean a single thing heading into next year. But I can see why these teams that got bowl eligible are thrilled that their season gets to continue uh, for one more game. And North Texas, Boise State, still at 24-21, 2.44 to go. Miami Beach Bowl, third down and three coming up for Boise State from the mean green 44-yard line. We'll see if the Broncos can tie it up here later on in the Minute Hoodies podcast. Brent? Uh, the question was, what games am I looking forward to? Correct. <laughs> uh, Penn State-Utah, obviously. I think that's the main one for me, but that's just because I have support for my team. I'm also looking forward to Tulane-USC. Tulane mm-hmm. was one of the teams that I was uh, also high on this year, so I want to see them. I was also high on USC, but at this point I want to see Tulane win. Um, but then, obviously, the college football playoff. Um, I think that those games – and then, I mean, New Year's Six Bowls are always fun because they're always good games. So, <clears throat> those are something I'm looking forward to. Um, I mean, I think Purdue is going to beat LSU. I hope Ole Miss gets beat into the ground, just things like that. But, you know, those are just those are just <laughs> picky things that, like – like, obviously, I don't want Ole Miss to win. Who wants Ole Miss to win? Like, that's, that's just known. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, so for me, I'm going to name three, one of them being more underrated, 
I'm going to say Coastal and East Carolina. Match up in the very, very, They're very, very close to each other. Um, sort of like regional rivals right there. East Carolina hasn't been doing too well. Came off a win against Temple. Coastal Carolina got thromped by Troy in the Sun Belt Championship. And then we move on um, to another one. Obviously, the Orange Bowl was a big conversation right now. Cedric Tillman and um, Jalen Hyatt. And then you've got Hendon Hooker. Mainly two guys in Hyatt and Hooker who were big components to the big season. And then Tillman, who came in as the wide receiver one when you looked at preseason expectations. So we'll see how that game goes for them. And then obviously the last one to round out the list, and we can talk about this for a minute, is going to be Mississippi State and Illinois on January 2nd. I can't wait to see how new head coach and the Mississippi State Bulldogs fare in that game, um, coming off the uh, the death and pass, passing away of Mike Leach. I can't wait to see the passion that just reverberates in their game because of that. And then you look at Illinois' side. Obviously, they're very encouraged. I know all the attention is going to be on Mississippi State for the right reasons. So they might come in a little more as the underdog. Um, but they just came off a really close game against Michigan that Michigan kind of got lucky on when they kicked that last-second field goal. But overall, I think it's going to be a good game. But um, just to, to round out the college football talk, kind of talk about Mike Leach for a little bit, Roman. What from you was, was standing out about his life, but also like where did you find out about the news? Well, I initially, you know, like I find out through everything, it's, it's through Twitter. Um, I was in Pittsburgh getting ready for uh, to go to the Steelers-Ravens game, so I wasn't quite as glued in on things as I normally would be. But I initially first saw that Mike Leach was going to, you know, go to the hospital because of an apparent medical emergency. So I was like, oh, wow, that's really awful. But, you know, more likely than not, it's not anything too serious. But uh, quite frankly, I was very wrong. Obviously, I was wrong. Um, news dropped a few hours later that uh, th it was a very serious situation, and Mike Leach's life uh, was in serious jeopardy. And it became pretty obvious throughout the hours that uh, we, unfortunately, were going to lose one of the most innovative, the most, you know, humble, the most, uh, uh, like, outstanding human beings that we've had in college football. You know, Mike Leach, the coach, was – you know, just innovative, creative, amazing. I mean, the air raid offense will never be something like that will never really be replicated again. And but as the, the person Mike Leach may have been even better. He was always just very selfless, uh, kind and respectful to everyone around him. He is the true representation of, you know, treat everybody the way that you want to be treated. And mm -hmm. it's just insanely sad that this happened uh, to somebody like him, someone else that unfortunately passed away to kind of a uh, a freak health accident was Grant Wall, the famed soccer and college basketball journalist. He suddenly collapsed uh, in Qatar. You know, there were there was a lot of speculation surrounding his death because of his protesting and things along that nature. But uh, thankfully, we found out there was no foul play in his death. But going back to Mike Leach, just a really unfortunate situation that, you know, there's obviously nothing that we as fans and just people in general can do about it. It's just really sad to see, um, you know, a guy like him like that happen to Mike Leach. There's I don't think there's much else much else to say there. I'm happy for Zach Arnett that he gets the opportunity. I think it was pretty obvious that Mississippi State had to keep, you know, its coaching search within house. Yeah, and Zach Arnett emerged as the top candidate there. So mm -hmm. yeah, just rest in peace to Mike Leach. Uh, Mike Leach just phenomenal person phenomenal coach and i'd say he had a phenomenal career unfortunately 
He is technically not eligible for the College Football Hall of Fame because he did not win 60% of his games. He won like 59.6% of them. And if I were uh, the person who's in charge of the CFB Hall of Fame, I would certainly make an exception. For sure. Brent? Um, So you asked where where was I? Yeah, just just a quick, uh, you know, analysis on on him as a person and maybe where you were when you found out. Well, I mean, I think Roman pretty much hit it on the head. I don't need to, I feel like, repeat necessarily all that he said. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he was like – every nobody really hated Mike Leach. Um, and that's always a blessing when you look back at somebody and you don't have to think about the negative things because there is none. Um, he was a really funny guy, a really nice guy. Um, obviously, not many of us around the men in hoodies world knew who he was personally. But, you know, you get to see things. And um, he was a really good guy. Obviously, he was a really good football coach. But that's not really what – people are going to remember about him or hopefully that's not what anybody remembers about him. Hopefully it's more his character and the way he, he handled himself through football and things like that. But uh, I think school was where I was at because we, we were probably in sports journalism class, I think because somebody had brought it up uh, saying that he had died when he really didn't die. And then he did die later uh, that day. But um, yeah, I, he was a really great guy, really nice guy. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I need to repeat what Roman said. So I'm kind of being a little more simpler with it. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously, um, our prayers go out to his family and all those different things. I'm certain they'll never hear this, but just making it known that they are, um, and that he was a really great guy and that, um, hopefully, hopefully when people think about him, they think about the impact he had on others. Um, Mm -hmm. not personality, but his, like the way he was, the person he was, the family man he was, and things like that, and not just um, his incredible football offense and things like that. Yeah, I'll I'll add on top of that. One of the favorite things that I know from Mike Leach um, is that that picture with him and Gardner Minshew after a win at Washington State. Obviously, Gardner was known for the mustache. They put a mustache on him in the postgame interview. Yeah. And I think that was one of the first times I heard about him. Because obviously I knew about the air raid and a little bit of how he started that, founded that, whatever. But when he really came onto the scene, was it was it State, um, at Washington State rather, and just to just see all the interviews, the funny interviews. Even if you didn't know him as a person, personally, anything like that, you knew of him, and all you knew of him was good things because of that positive personality that reflected on him and his players. And um, I'm just I'm super pumped for him. Obviously. This is not the way that you want to go out. I hate this for him. I hate that life can end that abruptly. Um, but I think that shows all of us that um, I think this was something Kenny Walker said recently about the passing of Devin Chandler. Don't take for granted the people that are in your life that you love because you never know when something could happen, right? So treat every day like it's the last. Uh, make conversations more intentional, all that jazz. Um, so this is this really kind of puts that point to a T right there that, you know, you never know when something can happen. But um, great guy, great person, great coach. Obviously, you see the impact that he had on the campus and the players. Um, but, yeah, I cannot wait to see what happens with him and Mississippi State um, as they go into the bowl game with Illinois. I can't wait to see how his players respond with that, um, obviously choosing to play the bowl game, which is pretty cool to me. Um, but we're going to move on. Oh, wait. One, on. Go ahead. Go ahead. One more thing before we uh, move on to, I think, it's the NFL. Um, I think – we, we, we would be reminisced if we also didn't mention what happened uh, with Chris Beard on Monday morning. Um, in case you, those of you that don't know, he was uh, arrested early Monday morning for um, 
of essentially what is domestic violence. And obviously we are far from fully informed on the details of that and the, um, you know, the circumstances surrounding it. But from what we know so far, we're not going to get too deep in the details, obviously, because I'm sure you know them already. But, you know, obviously, I think Texas made the right decision to suspend him indefinitely. And if he's like proven guilty and these things that he's accused of are proven to be true, I am in full favor of terminating him and removing him from Texas completely because a guy like that does not need, need to be involved in division one athletics, in my opinion. Yeah. You, you hate to hear a story like that. Just so much stuff going down in the sports world. And unfortunately a lot of it has been negative recently, um, but let's move on to a positive. We've got the Minneapolis miracle part two the Colts were up 33 to nothing. And the Vikings were like, okay, let, let's prove that we can come out here and get a comeback. And that's exactly what they did. Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, KJ Osborne, and obviously Kirk Cousins were a big part of that. Dalvin Cook had a big run at the end of the game. So, Brent, you can start us out with this one. Who's to blame for the Indianapolis Colts collapse today? Well, I saw this question when we were kind of preparing for it. And I, not it's not a dumb question, but, I mean, like, it's not anyone's fault the Colts aren't good. Like, they, they shouldn't have been up that much anyway. So, like – Sure, the fact that the Vikings came back from down thirty-three to zero is wild in this in only the second half, but at the same time, the Col- <laughs> the Colts aren't good. So like it, it's not surprising at all that they came out in the second half gassed with a with a coach who is trying to prove himself to apply for the head coaching job, but isn't working with much anyway. They're working with a QB who's doesn't have a great history with leads, and it's not like everything just seemed to be going right for them but it didn't seem right like it I just I don't know if anyone's to blame I mean it was obviously great coaching um and great mentality for all those players to stay in it down 33 to 0 to the Colts at halftime but like I don't it's not I don't know if it's anyone's like sure yeah I'll say the Vikings fault for coming back but like I don't the Colts aren't good so I don't see the 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 way in which I can blame it on them for not like, sure. Yeah. Their defense blew the lead, but to be honest, their defense played incredible because in the first half they were lights out and they went like this game would have been 39 to zero in the Vikings favor if it wasn't for them. So I'm not really going to blame the defense. If I'm going to blame anybody on the Colts, I'm going to blame coaching because he was not prepared. He did not have them prepared to come out in the second half. And that obviously shows because um, that's the biggest blow blow of a lead in NFL history. So it's if I'm going to blame anybody, I'm going to blame coaching. But at the end of the day, like the Vikings should have won that game. So I'm not going to like – and the Colts shouldn't be able to keep up with the Vikings in any scenario, especially at home. So the fact that they came back is just – I mean, it shouldn't have been that – like 33-0 is unacceptable for the Vikings. But at the same time, I'm not surprised that it ended up happening either. Roman. Well, I'm obviously surprised that the Indianapolis Colts, no matter how good or bad they are, blew a 33-point lead. It is the largest comeback in NFL history that the Minnesota Vikings made today. And I do think it's more so the Vikings than the Colts. But at the end of the day, I think it all goes back to coaching and Jeff Saturday. You know, his tenure as a whole has been an absolute disaster. It started out okay with a victory over the Raiders, and then they – play the Eagles pretty tightly. But since then, it has just been 
completely just disastrous. Like, first you have Monday night against the Steelers, and the clock management from Jeff Saturday at the end of that game, yeah, embarrassing, deplorable. Even as a Steelers fan who was very happy to see it at the time, I was still like, what in the world are the Colts doing? And then you go to Dallas and get absolutely plastered. It's not even close, 54-19. to 19. And I understand that the Cowboys are an extremely good team. They are a Super Bowl contender, in my opinion. But you cannot, in the National Football League, in a league full of professional players, go to an opposing stadium and lose 54-19. to That just cannot happen. It can't. That, to me, just shows complete incompetency, ineptitude. And then today was the, you know, icing on the cake, if you will. You cannot blow... A 33 to nothing lead. I don't care how good or bad your team is and how good or bad the team that you're playing is. It shouldn't matter when you're already up by 33 points. Just embarrassing. Again, I commend the Vikings. They did, they made a phenomenal comeback. Kevin O'Connell, that maybe uh, Clint, maybe put himself in the front running for coach of the year with that. Like, incredible performance from Minnesota. I'm really happy for them. They've now clinched the NFC North with that victory. But, man, I think it's pretty obvious that this hiring of Jeff Saturday was a mistake. I would have rather just let Frank Reich finish out the season because replacing Frank Reich, who is, in my opinion, one of the best pure offensive minds in the NFL that we have today, uh, replacing him with an absolute stooge like Jeff Saturday, Uh completely disrespectful. Yeah, I, I will kind of go off of Brent a little bit. I do think that you have a point. I really do with with Saturday and everything. And I, I do think that this loss is, is purely coaching. But I don't think that he has that much to work with. I mean, he did all that in the first half with a hurt Jonathan Taylor. And then when it comes down to the second half, Jonathan Taylor has been the closer. You give it to him to, to run down the clock, and that's where a lot of his stats come from. And without that, I mean, the Vikings just got hot. And – that's what the Colts' problem has been against the Cowboys. It was a close game until they ripped away five straight touchdowns, including two defensive touchdowns. With the Eagles, they were up, I think it was, what was it, 13-3? to They kick a field goal in the midst of that, but still the Eagles get two touchdowns in the game. Against the Vikings, they're up big, 33-0. The Vikings get four straight touchdowns and a field goal. Like, with the, with the Colts, they have shown a lot of promise with the coaching, but again, it happens in spurts. He doesn't know how to close games. He doesn't know how to hold on to leads. And when that is an issue, then you have to blame the coaching aspect, right? This is what happened, and I hate to say it, with Atlanta. 28-3, to you go into the locker room, you're popping champagne, celebrating, and then they come out in the second half and lose 34-28. Like, that stuff just – it cannot happen in the NFL game, especially with it being a 60-minute contest with the stopping clock a lot of the time. Like, you cannot allow yourself – to become that lackadaisical but again Brent along with what you said a lot of it a lot of credit goes back to the Vikings because this is a team that no matter what time it is no matter how down they are at the time they can still come out and show out in the in the blink of an eye right with the offense that they have with Kirk Cousins the most confident quarterback in football right now anything can happen right they just bring away four straight touchdowns so even if you argue that you know Kirk Cousins is not the best quarterback in the world. When you've got Don't a try to get it out of me. 
I'm, I'm just saying, when you've got a quarterback under center that is confident about his abilities, that is posting videos of him in the airplane just vibing with his guys, it doesn't matter who you've got on the offensive end. Whoever that is, if you've got a confident quarterback under center, you're going to get things done, and that passion is going to reflect in the rest of the team. So as far as the Vikings go, I'm super pumped about them, and that's really what I think they proved tonight. It is they are very resilient, and they can they can score in bunches for sure. Uh, all right. Are, are we moving on to what? Okay, with, moving on to the Vikings, I suppose, which is, you know, what we're doing. I think this proves that the Vikings are not, you know, this fluke team like many people were speculating that they were, you know, throughout the first half. You know, I saw many tweets while the Vikings were down 33 nothing, saying, are the Vikings going to win again this year? Are, are, are they a fluke? Like, were they just another, like, you know, midseason wonder they peaked at the wrong time that sort of deal but whatever Kevin O'Connell said to them in the locker room it worked like they came out they executed they were nearly flawless on the offensive side of the ball I mean Kirk Cousins was slinging it everywhere Justin Jefferson and KJ Osborne came up big and at the end of the day the Vikings just had you know the moxie to come up clutch in overtime I mean they still had to really make some clutch plays at the end they had to get a two-point conversion with just two minutes left, no timeouts. If they don't get that, comeback is for nothing. The game is over. They were able to make that play. You know, they get stopped in the first drive of overtime, and the defense is able to come up clutch and get the ball back for them. Then, of course, you you have Greg Joseph kicking it in for the win. So, to me, this, this just shows that the Vikings are primed and ready for anything when it comes to playoff football. This is a team that's going to be a hard out for anybody, including the Eagles or the Cowboys. And, yeah, I'm just really happy that this has all come together for them this year. Brent? Yeah, I've already talked about the Vikings pretty much. I mean, they – I am ha- I kind of wanted them to lose just because then it gives a little more incentive to Justin Jefferson playing um, week 18 if I need him in the fantasy championship if I am there not speculating on that because I don't want to blow it for myself. But, um, I mean, like Roman said, they're going to be a hard out for anybody. They were my pick to go to the Super Bowl uh, at the beginning of the year, so obviously I, I want them to continue to improve and to look good. And to be able to come back down 33 um, against any team is impressive. So the fact that they could do this just proves that they can they can win from any position that they're put in. All right, and to round out the talk of Minnesota, this might be your answer, this might not be. Roman, who is your updated (laughs) NFC favorite right now? Right now, I'm really torn between the Eagles and the Niners. I think those are the two best teams in the conference pretty easily. I mean, with Philadelphia, the offensive innovation that they've shown this year is incredible. Jalen Hurts has made the biggest jump of any player in the league, in my opinion. You know, (laughs) definitely, if the NFL had a most improved player award, um, I would definitely give that to Jalen Hurts because he's just been spectacular this year. I mean, A.J. Brown is flat-out unstoppable. And the fact that you, Jake, even questioned his ability to be this elite receiver. I did. He's made you uh, look very foolish at this point. He's having far and away the best season of his career. The fit with the Eagles has just been immaculate. It's been incredible. And the Eagles probably going to have home field advantage throughout their, you know, run in the NFC playoffs. But when you look at the 49ers, I see a team – that is elite defensively. They can shut down any offense in the league. And it apparently just doesn't matter who they have a quarterback. Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy. 
the offense is still able to move down the field because Kyle Shanahan is the biggest offensive genius in the entire league. I mean, he's been that for such a long time now, and he just continues to impress me even more year after year, regardless of circumstances. He, he just makes it work, you know? I mean, Brock Purdy was the very last pick in the entire draft. Pick, like, two, 252 or whatever it is. Like, Brock Purdy was that guy. He was Mr. Irrelevant. And he's now looking better than Kenny Pickett and, you know, Malik Willis and other guys who were draft, other quarterbacks who were drafted very early on. He's even looking better than a guy like Mac Jones. And so, man, it's just incredible stuff from the 49ers this year. They've just continued to win and, you know, stack on success regardless of who's a quarterback or other circumstances or injuries or anything. So, yeah, I would say the Eagles and the 49ers are my front runners to win the NFC. I would probably lean Philadelphia because I just think they are a bit more of a, of a better overall squad than San Francisco. But I, it would not shock me if the 49ers were able to overtake them. But I also think that Dallas is an extremely good team. They mm-hmm. probably have the best defense in the league, and Dak Prescott, and that offense, it just continues to light up the scoreboard every week. And even a team like the Vikings, maybe the most offensive firepower of anybody in, in this conversation. But is the team fully there yet? Is the defense fully there yet? That's my big question with them. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would say the Eagles at this point with the 49ers as a very close second. Brent? Yeah, for me, it's probably the Eagles or the Vikings. Um, I think that, though, when you look at the NFC – like, yeah, there's the front runners, but then there's the teams that are kind of sitting there just kind of waiting. And if I look at the rundown for the NFC and who kind of is still playing for a spot right now, the Eagles, the Vikings, and the 49ers all have their spot. The Cowboys pretty much have theirs too. It's pretty If they win this week, I think they actually clinch a spot um, as the five because the next teams behind them are Washington, Giants, uh, Seattle and Detroit so that they should secure if they get a win so those those are your top four teams with the Eagles Vikings 49ers and Cowboys then you have I'm not even going to say the Bucks because right now their entire division is still in it and, and yeah, yeah it, it's, it's dirty birds yep it's a whole mess over there and like so and I don't know like I'm not going to count out Tom Brady and that team because they do have some of the best offensive weapons in the NFC, if not the whole league. So I'm not going to say that they can't turn it around. But from based off what it looks like right now, if I'm basing off what I've seen, the Buccaneers would probably be the worst team that make – I mean, they record-wise they are, but they look like the worst team that would make the playoffs right now. So what I think that if I'm discounting the Bucks or whoever makes it from the NFC South um, right now, like I'm, I'm not com- – like convinced that the Seahawks or the Lions couldn't win a game in the wild card depending on who they play like if you like the Lions are playing as one of the best teams right now they their turnaround has been incredible um it looked like it was one of the stupidest predictions I've ever made in my life um when I said the Lions would make the playoffs earlier this year but right now it looks like there's actually a chance that that happens and they're looking they're peaking at just the right time I think that the Seahawks and the Lions can both slip in over the Giants and the Commanders um, and then oh, no, that, man. the Seahawks lost to the Panthers at home. All right. Sounds good to me, Roman. Thanks. Uh, my turn to talk, your turn to listen. Uh, <laughs> so, so 
I, I think that if the best seven teams were to make it, it would be Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, Bucks, Cowboys, Seahawks, Lions. And I'm I'm pretty sure that it would be Eagles, Vikings in there in my NFC championship, but I would not count out any team to win or lose a game. I think that there's a lot of talent um, in the NFC this year that it, it kind of steadies out towards the bottom, but like it, but the talent offensively especially, and then the Cowboys kind of lead the charge defensively is just insane. Like this is some of the bet. Like with whether it be the Vikings, Eagles, and 49ers, the Cowboys who have found Tony Pollard three years late, like <laughs> the Buccaneers, like they have the they have the talent. They're just kind of struggling to find it. And the Giants who have pretty much been a two man wrecking crew who has kind of fallen apart now, but they're still being impressive. And the Seahawks and the Lions and all these teams are just continuing to impress on the offensive side of the of the football. And even though the Seahawks lost to the 49ers, like they showed a lot of promise I guess in that loss being able to come back and Geno Smith still being able to show level stats that he's shown all year even a loss that didn't look good so I know the question is more centered to who do I think would win it and I still think it's the Eagles I still think it's the Vikings and I think the Eagles are up there as well um, with right next to them 1A 1B but I think that it goes past this because you could be seeing anybody really win a game with all the offensive firepower that they have Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and something for me, I'll say this. I think this is just really cool in general for the NFL, and this is why I'm a big component um, when it comes to arguing NFL over college football. If all goes right, Zach Wilson is taken over by Mike White once again. We could see Mike White, Desmond Ritter, Taylor Heineke, Daniel Jones, Brock Purdy, and Geno Smith all in the playoffs. And to me, it just goes to show that this year is a year of new teams. You even got the Dolphins, who just barely lost to the Bills on the road in the snow. Like, so many new faces that we could see in the NFL postseason this year. I'm really pumped to see what happens there um, as we continue to wrap up regular season play. But for me, I'm going to kind of go off what you said, Roman, and I'm pretty high on the Cowboys right now. Their offense has shown that they they can be good at times. Obviously, they struggled against the Texans this week. So they are very, very shaky. But I do think that Dallas has something that a lot of people need to watch out for. And right now, it looks like where they're going to stay no matter what will stay at the five seed. So as of right now, yeah. they will play either the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Atlanta Falcons, maybe even the Carolina Panthers, whatever happens there in that four and five matchup. And then you play – or the Saints, but you never know. Any Anybody can win in that division at this point. But then you've got a rematch against the number one seed, potentially the division rival, one of the top rivalries in the NFL, in the Philadelphia Eagles. And that is a game that could be winnable no matter what, right? Because how hot the offense is right now for Dallas, no matter how good Philadelphia is, that is a winnable game. So when you look at who could come out of the NFC, I think that the Cowboys are very slept on. And I think right now, Based off what they showed me, they've got a little bit of the easier path. And what they've been doing recently, they, they're hitting on all cylinders. So I wouldn't count out Dallas at all. All right, guys. It's my time to talk and your turn to listen, okay? <laughs> <laughs> all right. Miami Beach Bowl score update. We got <laughs> Boise State, 35. North Texas, 32. 8.17 to go. Barn burner. We're going yeah. out, baby. Bull yeah. season. Cool. Awesome. Hey, I think it's a pretty good matchup. I'd be watching if I wasn't on the phone. So, y'all got any other thoughts in the uh, sports world? Any any hot takes? 
I know Brylan kind of hit us off with that one. Any any hot takes? Any reactions? Well, I mean, they beat Creighton today. <laughs> Who? Marquette. Really? It, it was, yes. It was, I think crazy. I, I, thought, I thought that was yesterday. It might have been yesterday, but still. Yeah, well, shout out. Shaka Smart and Marquette proving everybody wrong. Mm. Maybe, maybe, luckily, their game probably wasn't rigged. So, yeah. <laughs> and you're referencing what? Oh, uh, the monstrosity that was Memphis and Texas A&M. The, uh, actually, I'm not going to completely say it was rigged because I don't think any game is truly rigged. But um, I thought that uh, that game was probably – just about as close to being rigged as you can really get. Sure, Memphis probably should have been better. They should have rebounded the ball better, should have shot more efficiently from the free throw line. But, man, it really felt like some of those whistles, especially towards the end, were uh, heavily favoring Buzz Williams' squad. But, yeah, that's is what it is. Memphis still won, so I'll take it. If you want a barn burner, it's 12-24 where I'm at playing into the night and Arizona's up 66-65 on Tennessee in men's basketball mm. with four minutes to go in the second half. Dude, that's a good please, showing please. from Tennessee. Arizona better win that, dude. I'm, yeah, I know. seriously. Cannot have, an, cannot have Tennessee getting another quality win. Can't happen. For sure. And then Houston going on the road, beating UVA today. Oh, yeah. That's a that's pretty massive. solid win as well. Yeah, yeah. Houston's okay. They're, they're, they're yep. good. Houston's good. <laughs> And then obviously you got to mention UCLA beating uh, my national champion. My team of the week. My team of the week. My team of the week. Yeah, if you haven't been looking at those team of the weeks, man, these these have been awesome. Uh, every Thursday we've been posting those. But yeah, Brent, that was yours. And congratulations to my Pac-12 champion. <laughs> I don't know if they were mine or not. I really don't remember. It's uh, been you so picked long. Zona, so that's pretty interesting, actually. <laughs> yeah, but they're still playing good. They are playing good. They're they're better than UCLA right now. So, all right. Any other hot takes? Um, yeah, Kendrick Davis, best point guard in college basketball. Jalen Pickett, one A and one B. Oh, geez. And he's not one <laughs> B. I think that's pretty cool. That's even a conversation. But Roman, go ahead. How was your week? Just tell us about what's coming up, but also uh, what just happened. So, well, you know, this week was. Uh, pretty chill. Flew back in from uh, Pittsburgh on Monday night, I think it was. Yeah, we got in at about, you know, five or six. And I actually landed to the news that Demaria Franklin was eligible for the Tigers. So I got uh, some very good news there. Uh, but other than that, pretty chill throughout the week. Um, unfortunately, I have to go get a cavity filling on Monday. Mm. Those are never fun. So, yeah, other than that, I'm just looking forward to the holidays, man. Brant. Um, well, I'm in Indiana this week for for Christmas with my family, so that's fun. I'll be here until uh, Christmas Eve, and then we'll we'll drive up Christmas Eve and be in Memphis on Christmas. But not really, not really anything going on for me right now either. Don't mm. don't y'all go back to school on January second? Yep, that's awful yeah i know i know man i know the way the the calendar played out this year i guess i heard there was a rumor i heard that everybody else goes back to third because uh technically the second is a holiday 
and we're not supposed to go to school on the second, but since we're a public school, they can do whatever they want. Mm. Because it's technically you're supposed to observe the first on the second, and so like all the private schools in Memphis aren't going back, but we do. Well, that stinks. I wish we didn't. That's that's kind of weird to be on at school in the second for sure. Um, but for me, I guess it was pretty chill. Um, I had worked a couple times this week. That was fun. Went to see the Singing Christmas Tree for the second time on Tuesday. That was enjoyable. Um, got to have lunch with uh, my buddy or dinner with my buddy Lane um, and Abby on a little double date. So that was fun. Um, and then well, what else happened this week? I feel like, it, oh, I took an exam, right? I took an exam on Friday. That was so much fun. Obviously, um, I went to school at 7 in the morning, woke up at 6.10 um, after two days off. So, obviously, that was a tough transition. And then sat in class, took it for about two minutes. I think one of the questions was, uh, what is the team called that has the ball in basketball? So that was basically the realm of what the questions were on that test. Pretty easy 100. So that was good. My teacher even let us out early. So that was that was fun and enjoyable. Um, also, a little bit, I had McDonald's a couple times this week. Anytime you've got McDonald's, it's pretty good, dude. I love those <laughs> I'm having McDonald's right chickens. now. Are you serious? Yes. What are you having? I, I, I got a quarter pounder and fries. Dude. You've been that's... eating it during the episode? Um, I've been eating the fries. Dude, that's solid. <laughs> Dude, McDonald's is just is amazing, man. If you haven't tried it, get the hot and spicy McChicken for breakfast. I'm telling you, that one's just it's a for perfect breakfast? balance of until Mc, until of McDonald's and spiciness un, and oh. until McDonald's sponsors us, I don't think that we should be promoting their food. Well, who cares? Already, I love McDonald's. They're already so making much. billions. <laughs> we should I, make some of that. I love me McDonald's, man. It's so awesome. Um, and then another big thing this week, which I'm super proud to announce, um, it may not come to any avail, but I got nominated for a statewide award for um, best journalist, which is something that each school gets to yes, nominate sir. one person. So I'm very, very pumped about that. I've got to make a reel of myself, um, but that would definitely be good to, to put on the resume. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm super pumped that a lot of hard work paid off. So uh, we'll see what happens, see if I win anything. But yeah, I'm really pumped about that. Oh, that's yes, awesome. sir. So I'm looking forward to that. But is there any other big news? Anything we're looking forward to this week? Obviously, we got Christmas on Sunday. Anything y'all are looking forward to get somebody? Uh, I, I I can't say that because <laughs> the person might be listening. <laughs> uh, that's true, I guess. That's true. Where y'all going, Roman? Are you staying home, Brent? I know you're in Indiana, but Roman, what are your plans? Um, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna be in the M. I got nowhere to be. There you go. I got you. I'll be recording, or I guess I don't know where I'll be recording from, but I'll be in Jackson, Tennessee this week, um, hanging out with the family there, playing some board games, all that jazz. So that should be fun. Um, But, yeah, that's going to – go ahead, go ahead. When are you all leaving? Tuesday, I think. So we'll be there for maybe five days. We'll come back on Christmas Eve, so we'll be home with the family on Christmas morning. Yeah, that's cool. Yes, sir. Well, that's going to wrap it up for episode 30 of the Men and Hoodies podcast. I'm super pumped that we could get to 30. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'm very pumped that you are listening to this episode right now. You made it all the way. Again, as I said at the beginning of the episode, if you do not follow the Instagram, if you do not get the weekly updates about what we're posting, all the work that we're doing, go check that out. Follow us. 
at men.in.hoodies. We haven't been as active with the website, but if you want to read some articles from the past, some power rankings, all that, go check out the website at brentlionswix.com, whatever that <laughs> URL is. That will be in the link in the description of the podcast. Wait for our next episode as we will be coming out with potentially a midweek Christmas episode with Brylin, the man, the myth, the legend. We'll see with that. We've got some big Christmas um, you know, games coming up on Christmas Day. We got Warriors Grizzlies, so that should be fun. But yeah, that's gonna wrap no, it up for the be. Men and Hoodies podcast. That's not we'll gonna see be you next time. It's just not gonna be fun, but the water chose me anyway. <laughs> see y'all later. Oh, and I have to say, um, you wanna come to the hat with me, Miss Amy? All right, that's the end, y'all. Peace out. <laughs> water-